It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Election College, Episode 70, The Election of 1984. It's a landslide for Reagan and Bush. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So Ben, it's 1984. Orwell couldn't have predicted that it would go so well. <laughs> uh, what if he wrote a book called 1984? Republicans are the majority. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he could have anticipated some of what happened in the year 1984. But uh, I don't know. For some reason, I always think of 1984 as the year that not only did a presidential election happen, not only did the L.A. Olympics happen, which was awesome, but uh, the Apple computer ad where they just burst onto the scene and, I don't know, it changed the world. It did change the world. So speaking of changing the world, everything is going pretty well in the United States of America. You have Ronald Reagan at the helm and he is going to run for president again. Uh, again. And alongside him, his trusty sidekick slash uh, Vice President George H.W. <laughs> Bush is still hanging around. If you are a Republican, you really don't even have to be concerned or curious who the nomination is going to go to. Going into the primary, it's like, uh, see, should we vote for Ronald Reagan, the incumbent who is doing a great job, in our opinion? Or should we vote for like one of the other guys like Harold Stazen or Benjamin Fernandez that nobody even really knows about? Right. So, yeah, if you're... Reagan and Bush, you can pretty much just sit in your lazy boy and take it easy, right? Absolutely. So we might as well talk about the Democrats at this point. <laughs> yeah, the Republicans are pretty boring in this in this election. So with the Democrats, we have the very familiar faces and names of Walter Mondale. We got John Glenn and we've got uh, George McGovern. He's back. If you're from South Carolina, you will remember Ernest Hollings very well. But then you also have a couple of newcomers, at least newcomers to the national stage. And those gentlemen being Senator Gary Hart from Colorado. Uh, we all know Jesse Jackson, very involved uh, ever since the 60s, really, with the civil rights movement. But he decides, hey, I want to be president. Yeah. And you have a lot of people going into the primaries or not even into the primaries, but before the primaries really started, who think... Oh, yeah. Back in 1980, we ran, uh, we tried to get Ted Kennedy elected to, uh, or, or nominated for that matter, and it didn't quite pan out for him. He, he made it a long way, but he didn't do it. So this time, we're, we're sure he's probably going to run, and he'll probably end up being the nominee for sure. 
But uh, Ted Kennedy decides, you know, I, I probably am not going to win. And so um, I'm just going to save myself time and money. And no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Don't you wish more uh, political candidates like that? Because let's face it, if you're a Democrat, you probably like Ted Kennedy. If you're a Republican, you probably don't like Ted Kennedy. And he saw that and he kind of quit while he was ahead. Yeah. Uh, Mondale, Hart and Jackson are really the few front runners. Mondale had most of the party leaders supporting him and really raised more money than anybody else. But it was really surprising to everyone involved how well Gary Hart and Jesse Jackson both did. And we'll get into a little bit more about each of them and some others. But uh, you've got three people who are doing a lot and doing a lot for different audiences at this point. Right. Now, uh, what I like to think of 1984, if you're a Democrat, is really, and we talk about realigning elections and um, this really had a, a big shift in the in the landscape, but it wasn't so much a, a shift in the landscape as it was. Well, we've had a mixture of newer Democrats. We've had a good share of those who uh, were around during all of the civil rights legislation back in the 60s. We have many of those people going all the way back to the post-World War II uh, old school New Deal. It's kind of funny to say old, old school, school New, New Deal, deal. <laughs> but that's exactly what it was. And Gary Hart definitely represented that new Democrat um, uh, aspect of the party, whereas Mondale was very much tied to the legacy of Hubert H. Humphrey being from Minnesota and all. So uh, you did have John Glenn, who why would you vote against John Glenn, right? Right. He's an astronaut. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking back to uh, Astronaut 1980, the movie The Right Stuff, and the character portrayal of John Glenn as being, hey, he's the first man to orbit the U.S. That would be kind of cool to have him as the president, don't you think? Not only in 1980, 1984 was John Glenn a big deal. I remember being in elementary school, I think maybe sixth grade, when John Glenn went back to outer space. And all day long, it was a historic moment. So they had the TVs playing for us in our classroom, and the launch kept getting pushed back further and further and further. And I was kind of into space stuff, and I really wanted to see the space shuttle launch, especially because John Glenn was on it. And I didn't even know who John Glenn was. I mean, let's be, <laughs> let's just face it. You were he, born in Ohio. Yeah, again, so. Well, yeah. I mean, I knew eh, kind of who he was. He was an old dude who was going to outer space again. That's what I knew. <laughs> but I remember going out. They, school was over. They sent us out to the buses. And as I got on the bus, I heard on the radio it launched. And I was so I was praying for it to get delayed until I got home and could watch it. And I cried. On the bus ride home. Oh, Yeah, it was sad. Oh, Ben. I know. I would have been there for you, man. <laughs> you were far away at that point, I think. I was. <laughs> but, uh, hey, speaking of being in close proximity, you were there for my disappointment. My space disappointment. <laughs> I had to give you a hug. <laughs> so when I was in first grade, uh, the teacher asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to see the space shuttle take off. <laughs> She's like, great. You want to be an astronaut? And I said, no, I, I want to see it take off. I don't want my feet to leave the ground. <laughs> I want to feel the ground shake for when the right. shuttle would take right. off. And um, unfortunately, the shuttle program ended by the time I made it to Cape Canaveral yeah. the first time. But mm -hmm. 
We were actually on a cruise a couple of years ago. Yeah. Ben and I were with, with our families. Well, right. We should go on a, we should go on an election college cruise. That would be awesome. Yeah, it's just me, you, and like three listeners. And, <laughs> and our wives are like, why couldn't we come? <laughs> you need to listen to the program, I guess. Well, anyway, um, so Ben and I are on a cruise with our families. And we had been on the boat for like two days because it was all the way from New York down to Port Canaveral. And like any good cruiser, we decided to go to Walmart when we got into port. And we rent a car. We forgot like shorts or something. I don't know. <laughs> something yeah. something simple. You know, it was awesome. It was right around Christmas time. And yeah. my wife bought these awesome shirts. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. I think, <laughs> I don't know. It, it gave the ugly sweater concept a run for its money. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so we're inside Walmart and, you know, we're doing our thing there. And we hop back in the car, drop the car off at the car rental place. The shuttle driver takes us back and he said, hey, did you see that big shuttle take off? It was a secret mission. <laughs> it was a third the size of a space shuttle, but it was really impressive. Jason cried a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I'm still crying a little bit over We that. were le- legitimately within a couple miles from the space station. Or not the space station, the, from the launch pad. And we totally missed it. And it was, and we looked it up and it was over the news and everything. But thank you for indulging us on this trip down memory lane with Jason and Ben, the cousins. Yeah. So uh, speaking of John Glenn, um, yeah, he didn't do too well. No. And uh, what I was getting at initially was uh, <laughs> Senator Hollings was um was someone who was running from South Carolina and he ended up dropping out but he never really pulled any punches what he thought of his opponents and he referred to uh John Glenn at one point as a sky king who was confused in his capsule which come on uh he was he was smarter than that right yeah. but uh, Walter Mondale he referred to as a lapdog saying basically you'll do whatever anybody else tells you to do in the establishment so he ended up not going real far yeah, because keep in mind, the Democratic establishment wasn't very popular nationally at this point right. because Reagan was just stinking popular at this point. So um, you want to talk about Jesse Jackson a little bit? Yeah, I think that would be a good idea, Jason. So Jackson really was the second african America to put together a campaign to run for president. Uh, the first actually being Shirley Chisholm a um, couple decades uh, back before uh, he did pretty well. He won the primaries in Virginia, South Carolina, Louisiana, and he ended up splitting Mississippi. Yeah, he really brought out the um, the black electorate, he really the minority electorate in, in that sense, and made the Democratic Party understand how important it was to reach out to minorities in general. So uh, we see Jesse Jackson. Sometimes we see him as doing great things and speaking out. Sometimes we see him as saying things that are kind of off the wall. Uh, but in 1984, there's no denying that he kind of set a precedent that uh, you need black people and minorities in general to win elections. And that really comes back around in a bigger circle a couple decades later. We'll talk about that soon. Yeah, so Gary Hart. He is the senator, like we said uh, a little bit earlier, from Colorado, and he represents this new crop of Democrats, and he is posing a serious threat to Mondale. It looks like he's on his way to secure the nomination, actually. Um, He finished second in Iowa, but then um, in later primaries, uh, notably New Hampshire, Ohio, and California, 
he winds up winning those and does really well in the West. But guess what? What? He doesn't have really the backing of the national convention. So in the Democratic Party, you've got delegates, right? Mm -hmm. And we've been hearing recently about these super delegates. Now, the Republicans don't have that. Uh, we can probably do an episode about what a superdelegate is. But we absolutely should. Yeah. What we need to know, or what you need to know, and we can find out later, is that a superdelegate is pretty much a senator or a House of Representative member or some other influential Democrat in office who can help elect, by their own volition, the nominee. So. Yeah, and so essentially what you're saying is Mondale had a lot more of those than Gary Hart did, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so something else that hurt Gary Hart was in a debate that was televised with Mondale. Mondale was kind of ridiculing Hart's platform, and he had this platform called the New Ideas Platform. And Mondale just turns to Hart, and uh, he says, where's the beef? (laughs) (laughs) And it just kind of really took Hart off guard completely and if you're not familiar where's the beef was a popular slogan for wendy's especially in the 80s but it's even still popular now i think i don't know if they use it anymore or not but it re-emerged a couple of years ago but okay yeah i know i've seen it in my lifetime but uh and it just took them off guard and what was more important is it sent the crowd crazy a presidential candidate used a relevant pop cultural terminology in a joke and really just kind of changed the perception of both candidates at that point. Yeah. So the nomination process actually was really close and it went all the way to the convention. And I don't know if either one of this year's parties uh, are going to go all the way to the convention, but uh, that was the case in 1984 with the Democrats. You went and you didn't know who it was going to be, but it ends up being Mondale. What? Walter Mondale. <laughs> By the way, did we mention who Walter Mondale was, that he was previously the vice president? I'm sure we did on a previous episode, okay, right? All right. He was the previous you, vice president. In case you've forgotten, he was a previous vice president. For so Jimmy Carter. For Jimmy Carter. Yeah. After he is nominated and he he's giving his acceptance speech at the Democratic convention, everybody's super pumped up. All right, we got Mondale. He's young. He's fresh. He's hip. He has experience. He's already been here. I wonder what he's going to say. He'll probably say something really, really good. And he says, let's tell the truth. Mr. Reagan, as in President Reagan, will raise the taxes. And so will I. <laughs> he won't tell you, but I just did. So really what he's saying is people need to understand that we're both going to do the same thing. The thing that he's saying he won't do and the thing that I say I will do, we're both going to do it. But what people heard was, that's money out of my pocket, guy. Yeah. And so it kind of hurts him a little bit in the long run. Yeah. Well, we'll get back to that in just a moment. <laughs> but when it comes to choosing a vice president, Monday was pretty clear that he was going to appoint a woman to be his running mate. Now, there were some people who were in the running, uh, notably Mario Cuomo, uh, Michael Dukakis had been mentioned, even Gary Hart had been mentioned as a potential running mate, but it was pretty clear. And I remember this, um, I'm going to date myself just a little bit, but I already gave away my age. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. So a woman... Um, was going to be the running mate, and it was either going to be San Francisco Mayor Diane Feinstein, um, Martha Lane Collins from Kentucky, the governor. Uh, she was in the running, and then also 
a U.S. rep from New York of Italian heritage, Geraldine Ferraro. And that's actually who he ends up selecting, Geraldine Ferraro, as the 1984 Democratic Party vice presidential nominee. Jason, do you want to go ahead and talk about some of the other political parties at the time? Sure. Uh, You had the National Unity Party. You had the Libertarians, the Citizens Party, and, hey, the Communist Party. They're back. It's America. Uh So (laughs) they, they really don't mount anything successful and... I'm about ready to hop into the campaign. How about you? I think we should do that. Mondale is a liberal, and that's a bad word in 1984, by the way. It's the L word. Yeah, and as far as the nation is concerned anyway. Uh, but he's pretty much for a nuclear freeze, getting a, getting rid of bigger weapons, getting out of a lot of uh, conflicts and things like that pretty quickly. And um, he wants to reduce the budget deficit, which... Reagan just wasn't reducing the budget deficit <laughs> or reducing the military in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, keep in mind that the Soviet Union, they're still a superpower, and Reagan was all about beefing up. Oh, man, I did not mean to say beefing up, but <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of where the beef was, right. I guess. Uh, he really ramped up the U.S. military, the arms uh, race that um, that era Uh, definitely continued um, through 1984. We are going to beat the Russians, and Reagan was all about that without too much regard about the federal budget. Jason, we talked about Ferraro being the the popular choice among Democrats, and hey, uh, you know, it's a woman's getting a shot here at the vice presidency, but they did some polls right after all that happened, and the campaign is really going full swing between Mondale and Reagan, and only like 22% of women were really excited about her being selected, and probably more importantly, 18% of women that were polled said it was just like a straight up bad idea. Yeah, you tend to see through things when you're not being awarded a nomination just based on your merit. And whether that was perception or reality, a lot of women just saw it as, well, some of these national women's groups um, pressured Mondale's campaign. And uh, you're not necessarily nominating the best person for the job. You're just nominating somebody because they're female. Yeah. So uh, just a little bit into the campaign, a little bit of an insight into something that kind of happened uh, during the debates. We'd seen debates before, and we'd seen even televised debates, but we're really getting to the point where a lot of people are tuning in, and, and it's becoming more of a common thing. Ronald Reagan is 73. He's the president. He's the oldest guy to ever be the president. Uh and some people are wondering, is he slipping? Does he have what it takes to be the president? Uh, he seems kind of forgetful. And we know later that he did find out he had Alzheimer's, but it was you know just kind of onsetting at this point. But he kind of makes some slip-ups. And, and during the debate, he talks about going to church here in Washington. Well, the debate's in Kentucky. And he talks about you know, military uniforms. Um, he calls them a wardrobe. And he actually admitted that he was kind of confused and made some other slight mix-ups. Yeah, uh, so much so that he probably received a good bit of coaching, but he does come back a couple of weeks later in the second debate, and the great communicator is doing his thing. Uh, He actually jokes uh, with Mondale. He says, I will not make an issue or age an issue of this campaign. I'm not going to exploit it for political purposes. My opponent's youth 
and an experience. <laughs> so that really caught Mondale off guard. I mean, he's laughing at it too. And that pretty much established <laughs> Reagan as the guy who was, he was, he's on top of his game. He knows what he's doing. Well, I think we should probably just go ahead and cut to the chase. Jason Reagan gets reelected in the election of 1984. And he doesn't just get elected. He destroys Monday, oh, man, yeah. especially in the electoral vote. Yeah. So there's 538 electoral votes, right? Okay. Reagan wins 525. Wow. Not even close. Yeah. Just Minnesota and the District of Columbia are in the blue category for Mondale, and the rest is red. Yeah, and he gets about 59% of the popular vote. And even though we have a woman running for vice president, they like paid special attention to the women vote, the woman vote, and only 55% of women who voted voted for Reagan. I say only 55%. Uh, I mean, wow, 55% voted for Reagan. Reagan, you know, he he was a funny guy. And in December of 1984, so after the election, uh, somebody asked him, hey, Ronnie, what do you want for Christmas? And he said, well, Minnesota would have been nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he didn't win Minnesota, but he um, he really won the heart of America at that point. I mean... Uh, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you, you have to admit, uh, Reagan was a very popular man um, at that point in our history. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, speaking of being popular, uh, wouldn't you want to be popular with Ben and Jason? Well, I know I would, but I am Ben, so it's hard to hard to argue <laughs> with me, right? <laughs> hey, we would really appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes. Oh, maybe right about now. No. And... <laughs> Uh, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. You know, when it comes to election podcasts, there are others that are popping up, as you would expect from major news outlets. But we've been here since last July, all the way last July. Yeah, it's like in social media years and digital yeah. years, it's like, man, we've known each other forever. We're like the great grandfathers of election podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> so whether we really are the oldest, which I don't think we are. No, we're not. We're, we're the ones in most need of your review. <laughs> uh, we're begging and pleading. And no, we're not begging and pleading. We just really appreciate um, your feedback because it does help us get in front of more people just like you. Yep. And uh, another thing that helps us out, it helps morale. Not that we have bad morale, but uh, we love talking with you on our different social media channels. Twitter is fantastic for that. And also our Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can find us at Election College on any of those platforms, and we wish you would. Seriously, we'll talk to you. Yeah, we really will. We promise. Yeah. And I know for sure we'll be talking to you in another couple of days. We'll see you then. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.